following is a podcast of 19 North, a young adults ministry at Victory Family Church. For more details, see 19north.tv. Share this message with you. I like I thrive. I have kind of a little bit of a sensitive ego. So like I just need you to know that tonight. Like I had a hair emergency on the way here. Like I get my hair cut every time before I speak here. So I don't look, like make like make Danielle look like a fool. I like clean myself up to look nice. And like I got the wrong kind of hair product. And then like I had to stop on the way to get different hair product because that hair product wasn't working. So I almost didn't make it. God was something something was coming against me. But I made it. I got the right hair product. I'm here. So I said that to say I have a little bit of a sensitive spirit. Uh, so I need you guys to like encourage me. If you think I'm funny, laugh. If you think I'm not funny, still laugh anyway. And if you like what I'm saying, saying go for it, do it, uh, turn down for what, I don't care. Just get pumped up um, if you like what you're hearing and just say amen or, or uh, come up here and give me a high five, karate chop the air. I don't know. Just get crazy in here tonight because I got something really encouraging, hopefully uplifting that some of you guys are going to connect with uh, in the place tonight. So Without any further ado, uh, I just want to talk to you guys tonight. The, the name of my message, which will, which will make sense in a little bit, is, is called Unstoppable, if you guys are taking notes. Um, you know, a lot of, like, leadership teachings and, like, motivational people, they like to ask the question, like, what would you do if you knew you couldn't fail? And it's kind of like, it's kind of a cliche question, but it's a question that I love. I'm like, what would you do if you couldn't fail? There's, like, so many things on my mind um, that, that I would do, and like sometimes I don't know where to start. And a lot of you guys in here are deciding, really, you're in a season here at 19 North as 20-somethings what, with what you, you guys want to do with the rest of your lives. That's like a pretty heavy decision. Like, Luke, what are you going to do with the rest of your life? Like, tell me right now in one sentence. Okay, that sounds awesome, dude. You're going to go for it. Luke's awesome, man. Luke is already doing it. He's like light years ahead of me when I was like his age. I was like, I was like still like playing like video games and Madden and he's out like he's got like two business ventures and he's leading a ministry. It's awesome, dude. Um, but, but you guys are making decisions that are going to basically impact the rest of your life. No pressure. But God has a purpose and a plan for your life. And it's a big question that everybody in here, I'm sure, is asking themselves. There's really two kinds of like purposes. There's like a specific purpose and a general purpose. And the general purpose uh, it's pretty cool. God gives us his Bible. I don't have a Bible. I have it on my phone. I was going to hold it. Bible. God gives us like a Bible. That's like the word of God. That gives us pretty clear instruction, uh, instructions on like generally what we're supposed to do. Like, you know, how you're supposed to deal with relationships, how you're supposed to deal with your money, how you're supposed to deal with like your neighbors and stuff like that. And then like there's a specific purpose of like what it is you're going to do with the rest of your life. Well, I'm here to tell you one of the things that is your general purpose in life is to just go out and reach people. Go out and impact people. Whether you know it or not, every person that you meet throughout your day, every person that you have an interaction with, you are having an impact on them. You have an impact on every person at Starbucks, at school, at your job. Now, whether that impact is positive or negative is really up to what you do and what you do with that interaction. And I want to I encourage you guys tonight that there's something that God has called each and every one of us to do through his word and with his awesome plan, his good news. I believe in the good news. How many of you guys have ever come to church and you feel like you got the bad news? I want to give you guys the good news tonight. So that's something that I'm really passionate and fired up and excited. I, I really feel that God's plan should be a plan of like exciting goodness, not just like stuff we do and stuff we shouldn't do and all that type, like boring stuff. Um, so what if I told you 
that you couldn't fail at God's plan for your life. That's pretty good news. Well, I want to tell you about this idea that uh, some, this, this author in the 17th century, he kind of coined this like concept and he was talking about good ideas and he was talking about when people share good ideas. And I really feel like the gospel, the Bible and the story of Jesus and what he did on this earth for humanity, I really feel like that's a good idea. But this, this guy, John Milton, talked about um, what it means to be able to share good ideas and when good ideas have oppositions. Uh, he was a guy who authored a poem called Paradise Lost. And uh, when he did that in England, it was like the 17th century. They didn't really have like Netflix or Hulu or anything like that. So like that's how like they got entertainment. They read stuff. Go figure. That's kind of crazy, right? Uh, I'm not much of a reader. But uh, so he wrote this, this poem called Paradise Lost, and it was about... Um, it was inspired by the scriptures, and it was about how Satan, before he was Satan, he was an angel, and he was cast out of heaven into hell. And he kind of wrote this big, long poem, and there's a lot of artwork. If you Google Paradise Lost and Google Images, you'll see a lot of cool artwork about that. Well, when he did this, it really upset the government of England, and they really had this idea that they were going to control the church and control religion. They wanted to tell people when they can worship, who they could worship, how they could worship, and he said, wait a second, I think this is kind of a messed up way to do it. What you, what you need to do is let people just be free to think and come up with ideas and be inspired by God on their own. And he, and he said, it's the marketplace of ideas. He said, good ideas will always have opposition, but the best ideas will always succeed. And uh, he was persecuted so much he had to go into hiding and it was just kind of crazy. But, but eventually the best idea will always succeed. And uh, I think it's kind of interesting. I know like here at, here at Victory, they do like uh, what's called, I forget, it's like open marketplace uh, small groups, like where you could come up with a small group idea for anything that you want. Like you could do a small group where you get together and you do dry cleaning for cats. I don't know, whatever you're into, uh, I'm not going to judge you, but you could do anything, and really the idea of that is some ideas, like maybe the cat dry cleaning idea isn't the best one, will fail, but the other ideas that are really God-inspired and like meant to be, they'll live on and, and they'll continue to go, and there's some restrictions around that. Well, I want to talk to you guys about maybe some ideas um, in this world that, that were like good ones and maybe some bad ones. I just was like kind of brainstorming some ideas, like you guys remember slap bracelets, slap bracelets, anybody? Right? Like, I think they were banned because somebody severed their hand off with one of them. It's pretty crazy. It's really just like a piece of tape measure, like, wrapped up in some cloth. But it's, like, deadly. Like, it could, like, chop your head off if you're not careful. Those aren't around anymore. MySpace, that dude Tom, I don't even know where he went to. But uh, MySpace is not a thing anymore. I don't even think Facebook is a thing. I mean, who's on Facebook besides moms, like, right? Like, mom book? I get scared, like, if I post a photo and my mom doesn't comment on it within, like, 15 minutes, I, like, have to call her because I feel like maybe something, like, happened to her, like she got abducted or something like that. Um, pump sneakers, you guys remember those? I feel like those are making a comeback, but I remember when I had a pump, pump sneakers when I was, like, a little kid, like, you know, you'd be doing your, you'd be playing basketball, you'd be like, hold up real quick. You just had to, like, get some energy back in your, back into your shoes. Uh, those were ideas that, like, in the open marketplace of ideas really didn't succeed. And then there was other ideas that stuck. Um, U2, 
they sent a letter, they sent a demo tape to this company called RSO Records in 1979. And RSO Records sent a letter back to them saying basically, thanks, but no thanks. We really don't think you're going to do that great. And then they turned out to be one of the world's greatest rock bands. And if you don't know who U2 is, um, they were just on Jimmy Fallon last night. So go Google that. I'm sure you know who he is. Uh, Steve Jobs was fired from Apple before the iPhone was even a thing, right? What if he gave up? Ultimately, his ideas did pretty well. Michael Jordan was cut from his high school basketball team. Have you ever had an idea that you were so pumped up about, that you were so psyched about in the moment, and then maybe you told a friend or a family member about it, and they're like, oh, that's, that's not a good idea. And then you told a couple more people about it. Maybe some people were psyched, and then other people were not so psyched. And then you started second-guessing your idea in your head, like whether this was a good idea or not. Like, is this really what I'm supposed to do? And it's like, I don't, I don't know. I remember when I was like in seventh grade, I had like big hopes and dreams for my life. I wanted to be like a singer, seriously. So I was like in the seventh grade chorus and they had like, they were doing like their chorus program or whatever. And there was like tryouts for like specific featured parts. And I'm like, well, yeah, they definitely want to feature me, duh. So I go up and I sing my, my, my heart out. I'm just singing, singing so loud. And she, she, like, the teacher calls me over to the, to the piano and, like, the other kids, I'm like, clearly they're probably going to build the show around me because I'm such a good singer. And she's like, no, you know, it's okay. Singing is probably not your thing. You're tone deaf. So I feel like, I feel like my seventh grade teacher, like, crushed my hopes and dreams. Like, I could be the next American Idol right now. Like, you're technically in the presence of an American Idol, but I just, you know, I got somebody, somebody was a hater. You know, haters going to hate. Ideas that you have that God puts in your heart, maybe you want to see some of your family members impacted, maybe some of your friends are going through a tough time and you know this idea of Jesus in their life is the thing that they need and you face opposition and it's not working for you. Let me tell you something, all good ideas have in common. They all have oppositions. But I'm telling you what, if that is a God-breathed idea, man, that is something that he wants to see come to pass. I've had struggles in my life over, over my 20-something my time. I can now say I'm out of my 20s. I was like, my new thing, I'm kind of obsessed with asking people, like, how old do you think I am? I just asked somebody to ask Jeff tonight. I'm like, oh, he, he, I think he was being nice. I think, like, he really, he really knew. He, like, it's, it's cool. I mean, it's all right. By the way, me and Jeff are, like, complete matchers tonight. We have, like, the same shirt, same shoes. It's awesome. We called each other before. Um, so, like, you know, I'm, I'm like 31, but I could reflect back on like my, tw- my, my 20-somethings. I could reflect back on like when I first like be- began this journey with, with God and like called myself a Christian and started this walk with God. And I can remember at some times being so fired up, like, like, like just wanting to beat people over he- the head with the Bible and being so zealous and then realizing like maybe that wasn't the best technique. Um, I've gone through things in my career that I thought for sure I was called to do, and I've had times where I failed miserably and people have told me I'm not called to do it. In the last three years alone, I probably had like four different major, three different major jobs and like five or six different other things I've been trying to do. Guys, I've tried and, f- and failed at more things than I've been successful at. But you know what? I'm not going to let that stop me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to continue to move forward in my life.
Maybe there's some ideas that you're passionate about, like I mentioned. Maybe there's some family members that you want to see come to Christ. Maybe there is a dream job that you just have your heart set on and that you really feel like God is calling you to go for. Maybe you don't even know what it means to God, for God to call you to do something, but you're about to find out. Some of you have ideas that you want to pursue that you're unsure of that seem impossible, and there may even be like harsh opposition. Maybe you've experienced failure. You've tried everything you could do but God, for some reason, just doesn't seem to come through. Here's the thing. Christianity, like, you could go, no matter what, what it is, like, you could go to Pittsburgh, and on every block there is a church. And it is, a, for the most part, a Christian church. We're in a church right now of multiple thousands of people. You can't really go anywhere in America without seeing a church, and, like, you just know. But, but... It's, it's kind of like a hard concept. It's like a stupid thing, and it's like not anything like groundbreaking about what I'm about to say, but like there was a time before this idea of Christianity and this idea of, of having a relationship with God, there was a time before any of that exists, before it was just like nothing, and it started somewhere, and where it started was in Jerusalem over 2,000 years ago when Jesus came to walk on this earth, and he had these 12 people that he spent a majority of his time with, and after he left, he was, he, he was crucified, and then he was raised back to the life, and then he said to his disciples, stay here and tell the whole world about me, and he sent his Holy Spirit to be able to enable people, and we'll talk about that in a little bit, to, to, to do this. Um, and there was a group of people out of that 12, and then even more, multiple hundreds and even thousands, who passionate belie passionately believed in this message of Jesus, that it was good news, that it was bringing hope and love to the world. But then there was another group altogether who opposed anybody who followed what they called the way. So much so, they wanted to put them in jail and to kill them. See, you see the common theme here. When there's good ideas, when there's God-breathed ideas, there will always be opposition. But God is for us and not against us. The religious leaders didn't understand because they had lived their whole lives a certain way. With, with a certain set of teachings, a certain set of rules and regulations and what it meant to, to know God. So they were opposed to this because it was different and it was new. You ever, you ever go into something and experience something different, a change in a workplace or like a change in the way that, that, that somebody does something at school or a change in a relationship, like a friend gets married or something? That can be tough sometimes. So I could, I could sympathize with both parties, being passionate about the gospel, but also being like, what the heck is going on here? So I want to pick it up, and I want to talk about the opposition in particular. And we're going to kind of start at the end of the story, and then we're going to work our way back into it. And I'm going to kind of get into a little bit of a teaching mode, uh, if you don't mind real quick. But I think this will help you, and I think this will encourage some of you. So we're going to look at Acts chapter 9, verse 1, if any of you guys are following along in your Bible. And we're looking at Saul, who some of you guys know as Paul later in the Scriptures, who wrote pretty much you know, two-thirds of the New Testament. But before he wrote the New Testament, he was part of that group that wanted to harm people that were followers of the way and followers of Jesus. He was like the worst one. And before he changed his name to Paul, he was known as Saul. So we're picking it up in Acts chapter 9, verse 1. Meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. So he went to the high priest. He requested letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus, asking for their cooperation and the rest of any followers of the way he found there. 
he wanted to bring them, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. So if Christianity started in Jerusalem, you could pull up that first map for me that I have on the slide here. I made a map and everything. I did make a map. Are we good up there? We got it? Okay, cool. Awesome. I made this myself in Photoshop. It's awesome. Looks cool. Um, so my question is, if Jerusalem had just like, it's like brand new thing, like they just started, like they had their first like Facebook event request and a bunch of people showed up, right? You know, and there wasn't like any of that stuff. If it started in Jerusalem and it was, 100, it was over 150 miles away, what in the world was Saul doing traveling to Damascus? Now, just to give you an idea of how far away that is, like 150 miles is about the distance between like here and Cleveland. So like who would want to go to Cleveland anyway? I'm sorry, I'm hating on somebody from Cleveland here. Elizabeth is from Cleveland, right? So like he's heading from Pittsburgh to Cleveland um, because something, it, something has happened and, and it's, be, it's beginning to grow and, and, and there's momentum. So in order to look at this momentum, I just want to back up in the scriptures a couple chapters and I want to look at kind of how this started and how this started to gain momentum. You could take that back down. By the way, that might not be like the real route. I just kind of like guessed, like that would be probably the way that I went to Damascus if I went there. I just drew that today. So if you're trying to get there, from, don't, don't necessarily use my diagram. So we're going to pick it up in Acts chapter 5 and verse 38. And what had happened here was, what had happened was, Peter and John were out in the city and they were telling people all about Jesus and they were telling them about this new way of doing things. No longer did they have to follow an old system that always put them in fear and guilt and shame and condemnation, but they could follow this awesome new way that was open to them by Jesus dying and raising again. And this upset people. It upset people so much they were arrested and they were put in prison and then a crazy thing happened. An angel of the Lord came and set them free. That's kind of crazy. An angel just showed up and opened up. And then they went back to look for them. They're like, okay, get Peter and John. We want to, we want to, put a, we want to you know, tell them not to do this. And when they went to go, they weren't there. They're like, where are they? Oh, they're back doing the thing we just told them not to do. They're still doing it, right? And I think it's kind of cool that Peter was an ordinary, unschooled individual because I think that like gave him a little bit of an advantage in some of the bold things that he had to do. Because like if it were me, I'm like, dude, we just got arrested. I'm not going back out there. You know what I'm saying? Like, like part of, one of the things that I do, like uh, I help like produce commercials and stuff. And like when you're filming like out in like the public, like in a city, you have to like get permits to work there. And I work with a dude who's like the director, and the director just wants his creative vision to like be like fulfilled. And the producer is like, no, we got to do things right. And I'm, he's like, oh, no, we'll just film over here or whatever, you know. Like, we'll, we'll say we don't have to pay, you know, like, we could get arrested for filming. I'm like, no. But Peter, he didn't, like, care about any of that. And he just went for it. So they got really ticked off. And they're like, bring these guys back in. We're going to give them a piece of our mind. But there was one guy who was, like, an elder. He was part of the Pharisees and Sadducees. I don't know which one. They're, they're different. But he was one of those guys. And he was like... He was like the old school like sensei dude that everybody looked up to. In fact, he was a teacher for many years. Uh, many, many kind of like Bible commentaries say that he was a teacher of this guy, Saul, who was going around to persecute and kill everybody. And his name was uh, either, I don't know how to pronounce it, Gamaliel or Gamaliel. I don't know, both 
could go both ways, either either or potato, potato. So uh, this guy had some advice to the people, and he's seeing the momentum that, that they're creating in this movement. And I think he has some pretty sound advice that's going to kind of link back up with something I said earlier. So my advice is, this is Acts chapter 5, five verse 38. My advice is, leave these men alone and let them go. If they are planning on doing these things merely on their own, it will soon be overthrown. But if it is from God, you will not be able to overthrow them. You may even find yourself fighting against God. So basically what he's saying is like, he's basically talking about like a marketplace of ideas. If this is a good idea, if this is a God idea, you won't be able to stop it anyway. You know what I mean? But if these guys are not who they say they are, it's just going to fade away anyway because they can't, be, they can't possibly um, take any ground if this is not a God thing. So from that point on, they let them go. And the movement known as the way grows even more to multiple thousands. I don't even know. I could conservatively, conservatively say that it was definitely more than 5,000 people. That's a lot of people. So it became so big that these 12 people, the 12 apostles who Jesus spent a majority of his time training up that were basically leaders of the very first church, they couldn't handle everything on their own. So they were looking for people to take over certain tasks that were important to them. Basically, there were a lot of people um, that were a part of the way, that were widows, and they couldn't take care of themselves. And they needed basically somebody to, to deliver food to these people, right? How kind of like, when I hear that, like, it's, it's like basically you're waiting on tables. You're doing like a menial task of just caring for people showing up. But they were looking for a specific type of people who were filled with the Spirit and just followers of God and sold out. And I'm going to show you in a second how some of these people in particular, they took their jobs so seriously, they created momentum that, that absolutely flipped this region upside down and changed the world and Christianity as we know it. So let's pick it up in Acts chapter 6, verses 2 and 7. The twelve called a meeting of the believers. They said, we apostles should not spend our time, um, we, we apostles should spend our time teaching the word of God, not running a food program. And so... And so, brothers, select seven men who are well-respected and full of the spirit and wisdom. We will give them this responsibility. Then we apostles can spend our time in prayer and teaching the word. Everyone liked this idea, and they called the following. Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit. Philip, and then uh, five other dudes that I'm not even going to try to pronounce their name. These seven were presented to the apostles who prayed on them, laid their hands on them, so God's message continued to spread. The number of believers greatly increased and many Jewish priests were converted too. So even some of the people who opposed the way, it began to gain so much momentum. There's two people in particular that the Bible talks about. I'm sure all 70 of these people had just like such, a, such an integral role in, in, that, in that momentum of the first church and, and why Christianity spread the way it did. But the the gospel talks about two guys in particular who took their job of waiting on tables and caring for widows so seriously that it began to disrupt the whole entire environment of this city. How many of you guys, I'm I'm asking you right now, I I I don't want you to answer this out loud, but I want you to think about it. How many of you guys feel like you're in a role that you feel is so insignificant, whether it's in your relationship with your friends, whether it's at work or school? How many of you guys are feeling like there is no way that I'm going to be able to make an impact for God or I'm going to be able to do what God has called me to do right here in this moment? Well, I'll tell you something. These guys 
were asked to do something and through their faithfulness and their boldness to be able to stand up for what was right, they made such an impact that people were being added to their numbers daily. So much so that this idea of the gospel, the good news, Stephen was so passionate about it that the the religious leaders who opposed the way and wanted to kill people ended up lying about him and brought him out into a public place to kill him. And here's, we're going we're to just read very briefly right here in Acts chapter 7, verses 59 through uh, chapter 8, verse 4. And it said, As they stoned him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. He fell to his knees shouting, Lord, don't charge them with this sin. And with that, he died. Saul the guy we talked about who's killing people, he was there and he was one of the witnesses and he agreed completely with the the killing of Stephen. A great wave of persecution began that day, sweeping over the church in Jerusalem. And all the believers except the apostles were scattered through the regions of Judea and Samaria. But Saul was going everywhere to destroy the church. He went from house to house, dragging out men and women to throw them into prison. What did Gamaliel say? He said, you won't be able to stop this. No matter how hard you try, if this is a God idea, there's nothing that will ever stop this. Bring up that second map real quick. I want to show you something, how significant I feel like this is. You could bring up the third one too. It says that the believers were scattered through a region of Judea and Samaria. Judea is that blue part. Samaria is that green part. And I don't know if you notice this, but that is kind of taking things up north towards Damascus, right? So the very act that was meant to abolish Christianity, to abolish the way, and to eliminate and eradicate the followers actually was counterproductive, and it began to spread it even further. What, what, what man meant to harm people, God used for his glory. Now, there's an enemy that comes to steal and kill and destroy. I'm not saying that God did this, but God is able to take something. When you think it's over, it's not over. God will take you in a scenario, in a moment of your life, and he'll flip the script, and he'll use it for your advantage and his glory. And as I was preparing for this, and I was praying over these past couple of days, I really felt like this was something specific, maybe for one people, maybe for a couple of people. But this, this, this is for somebody that you have like a God-breathed idea, something you felt like God had called you to do, and you went for it. You might be in the middle of it now. You might be contemplating doing it, but you're facing some opposition. There might be a family member who's coming against you. It might be a group. It might be your own feelings and your insecurities. But here's what I want to share with you, and I feel like this is going to lift somebody in this place tonight. God will use what was meant to harm you to your advantage and for his glory. Don't give up. That's for somebody. That's that's probably for a bunch of people in this place tonight. God is able to take a scenario in your life, a persecution, and he's able to, to, to show his glory through it. And he's able to do things in it that you can never even ask, think, or imagine if you give him the opportunity and if you do it for his plan and for his glory and his purposes. So we're seeing that, that this, this idea of the gospel has spread now from Jerusalem to these other regions. And we're going to pick it up. We're, we're picking it back up in Acts chapter 9, right where I started when I was in Acts 9, 1. We're going to now look, start in verse 3. And this is kind of a long scripture, but I'm going to read, read through it. You guys doing all right? You guys doing, is this okay? You good? Okay, here we go. So here's what happens because of the faithfulness 
of a group of people who believed in a good idea. Acts chapter 9, verses 3 through 18. As he was approaching Damascus, this is uh, Saul. As he was approaching Damascus on a mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. And the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one who you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. The, man, the men Saul stood, excuse me, the men with Saul stood speechless, for they heard the sound of someone's voice, but saw no one. Saul picked, him, Saul picked himself up off the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he was blind. So his companions led him by the hand to Damascus, and he remained there blind for three days, and he did not eat or drink. Now there was a believer in Damascus named Ananias. Before I go any further, how many of you guys have something or somebody that's coming against you and you just want to take things into your own hands and you want, you want to either say something about them, do something to them? I'm encouraging you to, to call upon the name of the Lord, to call upon God on your behalf, that he is a God of justice. Justice means to make wrong things right. God will make the scenarios of your life, the things that are going on in your life, he will take the wrong things and he will make them right as you believe in him and as you believe in his plan. He did it right here. You know, Saul, I'm not saying he's going to like cast, he's going to like make a, like a professor or a boss that you have. He's not going to like turn him blind or anything like that. I mean, maybe, but, but he, w- he will work on your behalf in that person's life. I promise. I don't promise. God's word promises that. Yes, Lord, he replied. This is Ananias. This is one of the believers in Damascus. And uh, I'm just going to paraphrase the rest of this, but he said, he's like, you know that guy that's killing all the people who are just like you, that like believe in Jesus? Yeah, I want you to go and pray for that guy. Yeah, I'm going to tell you where he's at. I want you to go. Yeah, that guy that is murdering people. Yeah, why don't you go see him? He's over on Straight Street, right? How many of you guys would be like scared out of your mind to be able to do that? But it all hinges on his obedience He even says right here, but Lord exclaimed Ananias, I've heard many people talk about the terrible things this man has done. And the Lord says, go for Saul as my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and the kings, as well as the people of Israel. So Ananias went and found Saul. He laid his hands on him and said, brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road has sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Instantly, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he regained his sight. Then he got up and was baptized. You guys, Gamaliel was right. God is unstoppable. There is nothing that anyone can do to stop the message of love and hope from spreading throughout this universe, this globe, this planet. Here's what I want you guys to leave here tonight. This is the most important thing. You're probably asking yourself, why, if it's unstoppable, what, why, what, why does it matter to me then? Isn't God just going to go do it? This is the most important part that I want to share with you guys tonight. Nothing can ever stop the message of God when it is delivered by the people of God. In other words, the key ingredient to God's plan for this planet is you, is me. Guys, 
back in like the Old Testament before Jesus came and made a new way through the New Testament where you could be made right through believing in him and confessing him your Lord. God's presence was contained within like a specific place. It was contained like locally. The idea was a local idea. It was in a tent and then eventually it was in a temple and people had to go into that tent or temple on people's behalf and they had to go through all these rituals to do it. Well, when Jesus came, he walked on this earth for three years. He did all these miracles. He trained up these 12 people and these 70 people. And then he left and he says, I have to go. And everybody's like, oh, we don't want you to go. We want you to stay. He's like, no, but I have to go. And like, we want you to stay, but I have to go. Because when I go, I'm sending somebody who is going to speak on my my behalf. I am going to send my Holy Spirit into this planet. And he's going to live on the inside of you. Guys, if you are a believer of the way, if you are a follower of Jesus, he has put his presence on the inside of you. He has given you the ability to speak on his behalf. And when the message of God is delivered by the people of God, it is unstoppable. And when you are walking in the will, the specific will of God, and you're following the general purposes of God outlined in his word for your benefit, there is nothing that, that anybody or anything can do to stop you. He wants to take you places that, beyond, that are beyond your furthest dreams or imaginations. You know that you've arrived when you, when you, when you and, and I, it's a journey, and I don't think you really ever arrive, but like you know that you're, 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 you're doing what God has called you to do when you look around and God's blessing has busted out beyond the borders of your life and is spilling over into every interaction, into your neighborhood, into, into your workplace, into your relationships. When you're making decisions that you just know are not for your benefit and gain, but for the benefit and gain of others. Guys, I'm looking around this room tonight and there are people that God is calling to make an impact in your workplaces, in your college campuses, all over this place. And I'm so pumped out of my mind for you guys. 19 North, you know, it's gone through. I've, I've had the privilege to see it go through so many ebbs and flows and transitions, and we've been here a really long time, and we, we know that um, this place is called to be one of the most welcoming places in the Cranberry, like, Butler County, Allegheny region for 20-somethings. And I really believe that that is a God-spoken word, that, that no matter what, what the future has for 19 North, that, that, that is why this place exists, to be able to impact others so they can go out and make an impact. Check this out. I love this. This is what it's all about. Peter, an ordinary, unschooled individual, was faithful and bold to faith oppos- face opposition when he believed in. And then he appointed Stephen and Philip to do what seemed like an ordinary task. Stephen passionately served the gospel unto his death, which resulted in the message being spread to regions further than it ever had before by people like Philip, who made the most of every opportunity and may have been responsible for the conversion of Ananias, who made a choice to connect with Saul, now known as Paul, and the rest is history. You know, I'm seeing things like this. God moved upon Luke, who impacted somebody in his workplace, who then impacted others, you know. God moved on the marriage of Brandon and Jessica, and they were able to impact the people in their neighborhood. And and through that, many came to Christ. That is what God is calling us to do. This, This crazy adventure in the first church where the gospel was spread from Jerusalem and it just kind of like blew up and mushroomed all over the region. God wants to do that in this place. He wants to do that in your life. 
Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Salt is a sustaining element. It was the thing that was meant to preserve meat. You are the preserving element of this planet. You are the light of the world. Light is a light-giving thing to this planet. Without sunlight, this planet ceases to exist. You are the very sustaining element of humanity. That is what God has called us to do. And that is the purpose for your life. I don't care if you're a janitor or you're a CEO in your future. God has called you to leverage your resources to be able to share this good news. Is this good? Are people fired up about this? There are world changers in this room tonight. And God does not want you to give up on what he's called you to do. If you pursue the unstoppable plan of God for your life, there won't be anyone or anything that can stop you except you. And fear, fear of failure, fear that you won't make it. That's not from God. God has not given you the spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and love. And I speak that over you. Some of you want to reach your family. Others are looking for a dream job that you know that God has called you to. Some of you are believing for a godly husband or wife. Some of you want to reach your friends with the gospel. Don't give up on those things. What would this look like if we all started following this unstoppable plan of God for our life? What would the 20-somethings of this region look like? There's just some practical things I want to share with you guys in closing. The way that we do this and the way that we take the gospel, the good news, out to, out to the world around us is really treat it like the good news. Like really, like, I think this is like a revelation that I got like five or seven years ago when I started coming to this church. I always looked at church and Christianity as something that was like hard to do, that took effort. I looked at like the good news as the bad news. Like it was like, here's a bunch of stuff you have to do and like no fun allowed, you know? Oh, you like doing that? You can't, sorry. Well, you have to really be persuaded in your heart that the plan of God and the things that he's called you to do and he's asked you to do in his word are actually for your benefit and for your good and are only going to enhance your life and enable you to live out what he really called you to do in, in, in your purpose. So number one, be really, really nice. Like super duper nice, like really nice. John 13, 31 says that he's going to know that you are his disciples. The world will know that you are his disciples by your awesome Instagrams, by your love for one another. This is awesome. Like, Danielle and I, like, we're not super perfect at it. You know, sometimes we go about our day and we, we, we miss people. But, like, we try to make it our, our goal in life to just be super nice to everybody we meet. Like, we have this neighbor. Um, I was just talking about him tonight. Like, he just moved in a year ago. And we went over and, like, we made him brownies and said hello. And then, like, I don't think I talked to him for another eight months and then I just ran into him because, like, everybody's coming out of hibernation now that the weather's warm, right? Like, everybody's like, oh, my gosh, what is this, sunlight? I haven't seen this in forever. Oh. So I'm, like, outside, and I started chatting with him, and, like, he's, like, a, he works for a car dealership. And then we started talking about the neighborhood a little bit. And he's like, you know what? You were the only people in the neighborhood that came and said hello to me. And, get, like, you even gave me brownies. And, like, that kind of blew my mind. And, like, I've been talking to this guy every time I see him. And that's kind of a big step for us because, like, I, I try to talk to some of my neighbors. I don't know how they feel about me or whatever. But I try. And I know, like, it's in my heart and I haven't done this. And, like, you guys maybe keep me accountable. I, I want to invite this dude to church. You know what I mean? Like, I really feel like there's an opportunity there. 
Think of others more highly than yourself. Invest time in others. Philippians chapter 2 says, think of others more highly than yourself. Consider them first. Jesus came and he poured his life out for us. Let's try to pour our life out for others. I told you, you know when you kind of are living in God's will, when the blessing of God isn't just benefiting you, it's benefiting others. Be a giver, you know. Giving isn't losing. A lot of us look at giving, whether it's our finances, and God calls us to give of that, whether it's our time. We look at giving. When you give, giving is losing something. When you give in the kingdom of God, you're not down something. You're gaining something. Giving equals gaining. When you give of yourself, when you give of your finances, God will return that to you tenfold. I've seen it time and time again in my life. Keep the main thing the main thing. It says it's the goodness of God that will lead people to repentance. You know, like, and I'm not, I'm not going to say this to put anybody down, but I was, I was walking around downtown the other day, and there was this, this, like, these people doing, like, public prayer, and, like, they were calling fire down from heaven. It was like a, it was like a Holy Ghost prayer. And, like, they had a guitar player who was, like, he was a little older, and he was playing, like, music, like, old school, like, like, I can't even, but, 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 you guys ever go to a church like that? That's like a, I'm not even like, I'm not into music like I told you earlier, but like, it had that like old school feel to it. And like, I'm just looking around and like, everybody is ignoring. I felt bad. And then I, he's not, they're not connecting with me. And then I I heard this person walk away and this broke my heart. He said, People like that only care about themselves. Guys, I do not want 19 North and 20-somethings in this church and us as a group to be known as people that only care about themselves. I want to be people that deliver a good message, that deliver hope and love to people and restore brokenness in lives and relationships. That's who you're called to be. I don't want people to say that about, and they had good intentions. I'm not saying that to put anybody down, but that is is not something that I want to be known for. I want to flip the script on that. Don't give up. Good ideas always have opposition. The best ones will always, be, will always prevail. And remember, when in doubt, just be really, really nice. Let me pray for you guys. Everybody bow their heads in this place tonight. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to partner together with you. We thank you, God, that you chose us, that you could have showed up in any other way on this planet and showed your message and your love and your plan, but you chose us. No longer are you confined within a tent or a building, but you live on the inside of us. Your very presence is here in this place tonight, God. I pray for those people that um, maybe feel like they're coming up against something they wanna give up. I pray, God, that you breathe life into that. The dreams that were once dead, they come alive tonight. They leave this place refreshed and renewed, knowing the next step that you've called them to take. I pray, God, that they know that no weapon formed against them shall prosper, that you are for us and not against us. And when you're on our side, we can do all things. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Everybody's head bowed and eyes shut, just out of respect. I talked about the good news tonight. There was like two moments in my life where, where I just had like an encounter with God where I said, yes, I'm going to follow you. And because sometimes the first one, you know, you kind of stray away from that. The first time was um, I was about 18 years old and somebody had shared this good news with me. And they said that there is a way that you could be guaranteed 
to go to heaven and have a relationship with God and he will fix the brokenness in your life. And I was in a very broken place. So I said, yeah, I want that. I'm gonna do that. So I gave my heart to Jesus when I was 18 and then I just went through some, some seasons, some ups and downs where I, was, where I was at a very, very low place in my life. I was depressed. I was doing things that, that God had not called me to do in secret. I was ashamed and then I came here to victory probably five or seven years ago, somewhere in that, it's kind of foggy, but I came to this place and realized that the good news is the good news, that there, that it's not about what you do or you don't do, it's about what Jesus did on the cross for you. It says, through your identification with God, with Jesus on the cross, that you are the righteousness of God in Christ. That sounds like a big church word. All that means is that you've been made right with God. You can't be made any more right with God because Jesus did that by coming to this earth, experiencing the hardships and the struggles that you experience here and he identifies with you, but he overcame them on, on our behalf. And the Bible says, Paul, the one we talked about tonight who was radically converted, who was at a very low point in his life, Paul wrote this, he penned this in the book of Romans. He said, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, that you'll be saved. That relationship with God, God's presence coming into your life, it comes through a heart belief and a mouth confession that you've got to believe he is who he said he is and that you've got to say it out of your mouth. And that's how your faith, what you believe, comes into action. So I'm going to give everybody in this place an opportunity. We're just going to pray a prayer. Everybody's going to pray it out loud. If you came into this place in, in, in brokenness and you're not sure if you're right with God and, and, and you need to say yes to God tonight, that you need to say yes to the good news tonight, I'm just going to ask you in a moment to slip your hand up and then everybody's going to pray a prayer. We're all going to pray it out loud together. And you're going to have the opportunity for the very presence of God to come into your life. You're going to be made right and God is going to begin to speak to you and the things that he wants you to do. He's going to begin to use you. He's going to be able to bind up the brokenness. He's going to be able to mend the hurt in your life. He's going to come to you. We're going to all be here for you in this place at 19 North. Even if you don't pray that prayer, we'll still be here for you. But I'm going to give you an opportunity. If you need Jesus in your life right now, I just want you to slip your hand up. Just slip your hand up real quick. I'm looking all over the place. See that hand? Thank you. You can put it back down. Anybody else? I'm just going to wait a minute or two here. I'm looking over in, in the right section, my left, your right. Anybody need Jesus? Just slip your hand up real quick. left section, my right. Anybody in this place need Jesus in their heart? Just real quick. We thank you, God. We thank you. We thank you for, for um, an individual who raised his hand. God, everybody just pray this prayer out, out loud and together with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you for sending your son. We believe that he died and was rose again. Jesus, we invite you into our life. We want to follow you all the days of our life. We believe that you've made us brand new. We love you, God. We pray this in Jesus' name.